0: Major funding for Telehell is provided by Dave's Archives. If you're looking for retro commercials from the '50s all the way up to the '90s, and possibly some points beyond in the future. Turn to Dave's Archives, also home to the TGIF live stream on Friday nights. Go to davesarchives.com by Retro Cirque on YouTube. Home to the off-duty mind players and all those off-air commercials that he likes to put up so much from the 80s and 90s. Go to YouTube and type in Retro Cirque, spelt with a Q at the end. And by the continuing financial support of our patrons at patreoncom slash podcast, including Beth Campbell, Mr. Cheeseball, Funny Music Man, Joss Hoskinson, Rick Colacki Jr., Chris Michaud, Meredith Morrissey, Justin Moses, Jose Pasante, and Neil Weinstein. Thank you. Before we start, it's rare when we get some actual show feedback on the podcast streamers themselves, but this one in particular on our Apple Podcast page caught my attention. A user named Big Giant Pewsefish writes in and says, and I quote, Great show for the most part. I just found the show last month and have been binging the whole thing from the beginning. As a latchkey kid in the 90s, TV was my life for years, so I love hearing the recaps of the terrible shows we sat through. But, if I have one criticism, it's that sometimes the jokes tend to go on just a little too long. I find myself hitting the 30 seconds forward button more than once per episode, end quote. And... That's a fair comment. Yes, we do tend to be a little long-winded when it comes to trying to cover our subjects, and especially when we try to add a little humor to the mix. Such as The Pitfall when this is an audio program and not a show that can use visual elements to help illustrate our point of view a little sharper. We're pretty much long-winded by design, especially if a subject requires either a lengthy explanation or if certain moments in the stuff that we cover is just begging of a parody of some kind. Otherwise, criticism noted Big Giant Pew's Fish, and we will try to get to the point a lot quicker going forward. Such is the case with today's subject because this was a summer replacement series that pretty much came and went after six episodes, and would otherwise be an unremarkable subject even worth talking about. Except for the fact that I'm now obligated to cover it.
1: And if you think we're coming back for Final Jeopardy, then you don't know Jack.
2: And now, just because you didn't drink all of your milk, this is teller hell.
0: Our second Patreon Request of the Month comes to us from one of our recent Patrons, Chris Mashad of the Internet Game Show, Mall Night Long. Check your local listings. He made a request for a couple of game-related TV shows. And since game shows are a part of Telehel's genesis, how the here could I say no to his request? If you don't know what You Don't Know Jack is, You never grew up during the height of Generation X. Originally the spin-off of a series of educational games for grade schoolers, Jack was billed as the Irreverent Trivia Party Game, and for good reasons. For starters, the game took what many considered to be conventional norms and cliches involving the game show genre, put it through a Cuisinart, and then used the emulsion as a topping for tacos. It was that big of a game changer when it was first released on PC in 1995, and it continued to not only change the game, but keep moving the goalposts to the game with every subsequent sequel that would come out during the late 90s and early 2000s. The game would then disappear and reappear from time to time during the mid to late 2000s, only to see itself get constantly revived on modern-day video game consoles through its production company, Jellyvision, now known as Jackbox Games. But while the game itself continues to soldier on in the digital world, it was during its mid-to-late 90s heyday when people started to think, how hard can it be to turn a computer game show into a real-life game show? That was a task that fell into a number of hands over the years, yes, years as this was a show that spent a lot of time in one of the underworld's many subsidiaries, <laughs> Development hell. Four years, in fact, was how long it took for longtime sitcom production house Carsey Werner Television to bring Jack out of the digital world and into the tangible one. And a major part of the reason why this show took so long to get on the air falls on the shoulders of one man who made his career playing one man child. <laughs> Paul Rubens is a man who needs no introduction. If you don't already know by now that he is and will always be Pee-wee Herman, I welcome you back to society after living under that rock for so long. It probably goes beyond the realm of hyperbole to say that for most of the 1980s, Pee-wee was everywhere. On stage, on TV, in commercials, and even in parody. You couldn't change the channel without seeing everybody's favorite bow-tie wearing bicycle enthusiast invading viewers' personal space.
3: I just trade them. Is this something you could share with the rest of us, Amazing Larry?
1: What's your significance? I don't know! Like you're unraveling a big cable knit sweater that someone keeps knitting, <laughs> knitting, <laughs> knitting, <laughs> knitting, <laughs> knitting! <laughs> knitting? <laughs>
0: and for a while, it seemed as though Pee Wee would be everywhere forever. Then in 1991, Some kind of a mix-up that turned him from pee-wee to wee-wee. Paul Rubens, who invented and perfected the ultimate
3: misfit, found himself the focus of worldwide scrutiny after his arrest last month on a morals charge. Now compassion for his cause is starting to surface. Heard any good
1: jokes lately? (laughs)
0: Because of that, and constant hounding from the tabloids, he largely stayed off of everyone's radar for most of the 1990s, save for a few bit roles and some voiceover work. Thankfully for the sake of most stories having happy endings, his career and his reputation has long since been restored. We all make mistakes, and that's all I'm going to say about that incident because this game show was slated to be one of the cornerstones of that comeback that already included his roles in movies like Blow and Mystery Men. Which may also explain why it took so long for Rubens to jump into the show, because he still needed to restore his reputation first. Once everything was set to go for production, all that was needed was a place to put on the show, which was easier said than done when the project was first announced back in 1997, partly because, at that point in time, game shows weren't exactly in style. Back then, the only major games that were on in broadcast and in syndication were Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, and The Price is Right, plus revivals of the dating and newlywed games. Of course, to be fair to the ever-increasing number of cable viewers of that time, you also had a fair amount of low-budget but beloved classics like Supermarket Sweep, Shop Till You Drop, Wink Martindale's Debt, and also an entire network devoted to classic games. But other than that, people largely shunned game shows back then in favor of more trashy talk shows and increasingly formulaic court shows. So despite wanting to bring Jack back to life, people weren't exactly clamoring for it. That is until 1999, when the paradigm shifted properly. We've mentioned this a number of times before, but it's both simple and complicated to explain just how big an impact Who Wants to Be a Millionaire had on television when it premiered in the summer of 1999. Nobody expected the show to be a success by any means. They all expected it to be a summer burn-off series, but successful it was. So much so that once ABC captured the fire from Mount Olympus, the other networks were none too eager to come up with million-dollar clones of their own. It was because of Millionaire that game shows, both in daytime and in primetime, became fashionable once again. And since ABC was the leader of the pack, and coincidentally the people at Carsey Warner Television already had an established relationship with the network, it was at ABC where TV viewers would get to know Jack in the summer of 2001. And that's pretty much all we know about the show's production. Nothing out of the ordinary or remarkable or even noteworthy. It was just an adaptation of a popular computer trivia game. That being said, before we actually look at the show, I feel it might be of benefit for those who have never played a game of You Don't Know Jack before just exactly how the game works. Keeping in mind, this show aired in 2001, and there have been a number of significant alterations to the game since then. So for the sake of reference, let me explain the rules of a classic Game of Jack from the 1990s. Depending on which version of the game you're playing, each game is either seven or 21 questions long. I prefer the long version. In each round, you get to pick a question from one of three categories that are shown to you. The value of the questions range from $1,000 to $3,000, with the values doubling in round two. As the game progresses, players may come across a series of special questions that might earn players more money. The most common of which were either the dis or dat, where a solo player would get to choose between two answers when given a statement to identify, I'm going to read you a list of seven names for each one you need to tell me whether it's the name of a brand of
3: ranch salad dressing or the name of a legal brothel in nevada
0: or the gibberish question where you have to figure out well gibberish against a decreasing cash timer look at the gibberish phrase and tell
3: me what common phrase it rhymes with parking yep a strong
1: fee
0: and don't worry about that punctuation Gameplay continues until you reach the final question of the game and the show's bonus round. The always suspenseful Jack Attack. Welcome to the Jack Attack.
3: I'm going to be throwing a bunch of words up on the screen. Buzz in when you see two items on the screen that match. Each time you're right, you make money. Each time you're wrong, you lose it. Now here's the thing. Not any two items that go together are necessarily a match. Remember the clue. It's gotta be a match that fits this clue.
0: After that, the scores are tallied and whoever is on top is the winner. All of the activity in the Jack games are overseen by an off-screen host. And with all due respect and due diligence to the likes of Nate Shapiro, voiced by Harry Gottlieb in Volume 1 of the Jack games, Guy Towers, voiced by Andy Pollan for You Don't Know Jack Sports, Buzz Littman, voiced by Peter B. Spector for Volume 2, and Josh Schmitty-Schmitstenstein, voiced by Phil Ritterelli, who hosted six different volumes of the game, and all of whom also appear in You Don't Know Jack Volume 4, The Ride, Pretty much all other versions of Jack were hosted by Cookie Masterson, aka Tom Gottlieb, who you may also know as the voice of the long running Whacked Out Sports in syndication.
3: Woo! Whacked Out Sports! Come back, baby! The number one clip comedy show in the world is now an eye poundingly clear HD.
0: We wanted to bring special attention to Cookie because he was tapped to be the announcer for the TV adaptation of Jack, which circles us back to the other reason why Paul Rubens was a little reluctant to host the show. You see, the producers wanted him to host the show in character, not as himself, but not as Pee-wee Herman either. Rather, a completely new character altogether. The hesitation being that people have identified Rubens as Pee-wee for so long that it may be jarring to some of his fans to see him play anybody else. With all due respect to Rubens, you do realize that actors can have a signature role and still play multiple parts, right? And
1: that also includes yourself. Jesus Christ, George, I don't see you in two years and you show up at my fucking door with 110 pounds a blow? Just fucking sell it, Derek. All right, but it's gonna take me a year. 36 hours. I don't believe we got rid of it in 36 hours. I think it's fair to say you underestimated the market, Derek. Right on. It's gonna take us longer to count it than it did to sell it. Nevertheless, Rubens would step into
0: the role of Troy Stevens to this date, the only host of You Don't Know Jack that would ever be seen on camera. But that's just one of the many flaws that this summer burn-off show would have. We'll burn off that and all the other flaws after the break.
3: Here at Arthur Daniels Heartland, we work every day to make your life livable in ways you don't appreciate. We make sure the sun comes up every morning. We get your children to school safely, and we print the books they use in class. We've put a man on the moon. We have the death. We've taken apart your lawnmower. Hey, right, get away from that! We're here to help you, despite what you've heard. We feed millions of people around the world, and we provide Wink Martindale's wardrobe. At ADH, we read your mail. Arthur Daniels Heartland. If we told you who we are, we'd have to kill you. So just keep moving along. There's nothing to see here. Go on. Go on. Get out. What are you looking at?
0: It's time now for another one of our promo swaps. We're collecting promos from as many people that want to take part in it as we possibly can. We only have a couple shows left in the season, and space is limited. So if you still want to do a promo swap, reach out to us at our complaint line, telehellpodcast at gmail.com. This week, we're focusing on a show called The Postmodern Art Podcast. It's a podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wowing all over the world over the platform they deserve. As host of the show, Nathan Raglan will explain. What should you expect from The Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wowing the world over the platform they deserve? Well... Three, two, one... How does it feel to know that you have all this power to influence the world and you're using it to push out Solikud and such?
1: I'm (laughs) using it for evil. God, cry.
0: Big fat big Blueberry
3: Pie, Christmas Tree, and Recreational Jello Emporium, a.k.a. Mr. Boy is on the Roof Again, featuring pasta by Sneakers McSqueakers. From the motion picture, BFBs, B-Sides, Bagel Batches, Marshmallows, and Barshmallows.
1: Cheese!
3: <laughs> i see this whole community.
0: <laughs> Dancing Dillos, let's go. Way
3: too dank! Way too
0: dank! I bought the Oreos and I bought the salsa. I'm committing well, to this. Enjoy new- them
3: separately, you clod. There was a show in the mid-70s. Oh, excuse me. Are you good? I burped right in <laughs> my microphone. See that?
0: <laughs> I heard it, trust me. Whoever says weird is a bad thing, they're the weirdos, and no one should ever acknowledge exactly. them as people.
3: Keep asking, man, and appreciate the clouds. Hello, thank you so much for watching the postmodern art podcast with me today.
0: Woohoo! The Postmodern Art Podcast. New episodes every Thursday night on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. The Postmodern Art Podcast can be heard wherever podcasts can be streamed, and feel free to throw a couple coins their way at their Patreon. That's patreon.com slash PMAP. And now, here's what else we're doing this week.
2: This week on Telehel's Premium Content of the Damned.
1: Until next time i'm mike levy and remember you get
3: everything you want out of life but you have to ask bye now
2: it's easy to ask mike just send your letters or videotapes to ask mike PO box 470 hollywood california 90078 or you can fax mike just send us a fax at 310 fax mike we'd love to hear from you The only way to listen to Telehell's premium content of The Damned is by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash telehellpodcast for just a few bucks a month. You can listen to our premium content and get some swag along the way. Once again, that's patreon.com slash telehellpodcast. Now, at new low prices. And now, back to this week's torture. June
0: 20th, 2001. A remake of the song Lady Marmalade was at the top of the charts. The movie AI, Artificial Intelligence, was in theaters. And at 8.30, 7.30 Central... What better way to introduce a new game show on ABC than by having the host of ABC's other hit game show pass the torch? Hello. Hi, it's Regis Philbin. Regis? Wow. What am I? Somebody's lifeline?
3: Oh, no, Paul, well, I'm just calling to welcome you to the wonderful world of game shows and to pass along a couple of pointers. Got it, Reed. Point away. Well, the first thing you should do is smile. Smile a lot. Everybody loves a guy who smiles.
1: Wow. Smile. (laughs) Next thing you'll be telling me to dress sharp and the clothes make the show. And dress sharp, Paul. Clothes make the show. Okay, I will, Reed.
3: And another thing. The audience loves seeing other guys get rich. The more comfortable your guests are, the more likely they're going to win the big bucks. Listen,
1: Reed. you seem really busy. Let me let you run.
0: (laughs) Did the new guy just hang up on me? Indeed, he did. And to fast-forward a bit to the show's final episode that aired later in July of 2001, the hang-up gets easily bookmarked.
1: No, I believe you hung up on me. Did not. Did not. Did not. Did not. Will I what? Will I what? Oh, we just—you know
0: what I like. But faster than you can say, live from New York, yada, yada, yada. The show kicks off the credits, and Cookie Masterson earns his paycheck. You think
1: this show is going to make anybody but me a millionaire?
3: Then you don't know, Jack! It's the show where high culture and pop culture
0: I mentioned before the break that Ruben's game show Persona is the only host of the Jack games to be seen on screen, and for the most utilitarian of reasons. You never see the hosts of all the other Jack games on PC, you only hear them. Which, given the technological limitations of the day, is fair. Showing actual full motion video in video games was as expensive as it was primitive. Just ask anybody who owned a Sega CD or a 3DO. But that was part of the reason why Jack, the computer game's charm, has lasted to this day. You felt that you could take the game anywhere, and it would be an instant party game no matter where you went. Trying to do that for a different and particularly more visual medium is going to be hard to accomplish without giving in to a concession or two. A host and contestants that you can see being one of them. Another concession, the show's sets. And yes, this show is on YouTube so you can see it for yourself. It's a little hard to put into words just how chaotic this set looks, but I'll try. Take a lava lamp, splice it with a bowling shirt, the swing music and bossa nova revival of the late 90s, the movie Swingers, and also what Homeboys in Outer Space thinks the 23rd century should look like. And that's probably the best way to describe this set. In other words, not even remotely close to what the spirit of the original Jack games could be. But again, the original games were minimalistic by design. All you had to do was pick a question, answer it, and hear something snarky from the host. But as we often say, judging a show based on how it looks is almost entirely unfair. What really matters is the content of the show. Which begins with some pattern and platter from the artist formerly known as Pee Wee. Thank
1: you and good evening. And to those of you at home, hello. <laughs> you look different. Have you had some work done? <laughs> Tonight, on a very special episode of You Don't Know Jack, some lucky person will be driving away in this... Okay, we'll put a pin in
0: that car for just a moment. Uh, trust me on this one, as we now get to know
1: tonight's contestants. What? Our first contestant is Mr. Valdemar Roth. us here that you are from Philadelphia. Yes, sir. What is that near? Uh, New York. It's, it's in the state of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Big, big state. Pennsylvania. Only in this big though. So. Never heard of it. <laughs> Next, we have Cat Harris. I also noticed that when you were a child, you only answered to the name Barry Manilow.
2: Yeah, for um, a year of my life, I was in love with Barry Manilow and wanted to be Barry Manilow, so I wouldn't answer to anything else. So my mom had to send me with a note to preschool um, to tell them to call me Barry Manilow.
1: I love that story. <laughs> Finally, we have Mr. Alex Corrado. It also says here that you sing opera. I do. Can
2: you, I give you a few bars?
1: I would like to see how long you could hold a note.
2: Sony di Gloria, a. D.
1: Having
0: auditioned for game shows over the past 20 years and counting, <coughs> episode 40, I clearly need to ramp up my personality. I mean, how can you beat an opera singer or a woman who wanted to be called Barry Manilow? I had no punchline for this. That wins the Weirdo Cup for today. As we are now assured by our host that everything that's about to take place is 100% real.
1: In response to all your queries, yes, this is a real game show. Yes, the contestants are real people. And yes, as much as it bothers me, we do give away real money. Let's review. Yes, yes, and yes. (laughs) As a matter of fact, the only thing phony and insincere on this show is me. Well, the
0: do have federal laws put in place for game shows going back to the days of the 21 scandals, so I would hope that everything is real. Then again, considering the set looks like a Tiggy Bar's fever dream, maybe we need the extra assurance. As we begin round one by selecting one of the three categories that are up on the board,
1: and... Alright, here we go for $1,000. Fill in the blank. The 1997 movie about a hitman starring John Cusack and Mini Driver was called Blank, Blank, Blank. Catch.
2: Gross Point Blank.
1: Gross Point Blank is correct for one thousand dollars. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: The show seems to have missed a step. It jumped right into the question. Unlike the PC games, there doesn't seem to be any categories to choose from, which is unfortunate because the category titles in the classic Jack games are kind of a significant piece of the game's humor content. Don't believe me? Here now is a partial list of actual question categories from just one game of You Don't Know Jack.
3: Open wide and get ready for stuffing instead of pilgrims? Reasons not to buy a watch from the guy in a raincoat. I hear they're putting in an escalator. That's a pack, Jack. So let's have eggplant at every meal. What's in the package from the crazy
0: guy? Weird things you won't find at Spencer Gifts. File this, you bastards. And if Big Giant Puce Fish is listening, we apologize for patting things out. We're only trying to prove a point. Not having funny characters categories to go with the questions would be like Thanksgiving without cranberry sauce. It's just an incomplete meal. One that we're going to have to chew and digest through for our next question.
1: Here's our next question. In the classic Abbott and Costello routine, who's on first? Who's on third? Who? What? Where? I don't know. Alex! I don't know. You don't know what? I don't know who's on third. I'm sorry, that's correct. <laughs> I knew that. I got you. Well,
0: point in their favor for not going full Lou Costello there. But it could have been worse.
2: Not the pronoun, but rather a player with the unlikely name of who is on first.
1: Yes, well, that's just great, Seymour. We've been out here six seconds. You've already managed to blow the routine. Sexless freak. Next question. Now let's see how fast your puny little brains work as we play. Death or death? I'll read six facts, and for each one, you tell me if it's something about Barney, something about Satan, or something about both. Get it right, win a thousand. Get it wrong, lose a thousand. Here we go. And freeze.
0: In the computer games, the purpose of the dis or dat question is so that the contestant who answered the previous question gets a chance at bonus money ALL BY THEMSELVES. The other two players sit out the question. Now, to be completely fair, they have changed this in the recent versions of You Don't Know Jack, having the other contestants steal another contestant's answers if they get it wrong. Kinda have to give a retroactive point in the show's favor for at least predicting that particular gimmick. But otherwise, having all three contestants play the diss or dad at the same time not only defeats the original purpose of it being a bonus question, but it also does a disservice to another question type from one of the volumes of the game. That of the three-way question. When the
3: correct three-way member is lit up, buzz in. If you make a match, you pocket a thousand bucks. But be careful, if you don't make a correct match, you'll lose some cash every time you're wrong. But don't be misled. This question may or may not have anything to do with
0: the three-way as a group. The TV version of the show pretty much turned the diss or dat into the three-way. Called the Great Dragon.
1: Cut. Satan. Satan is correct Usually depicted with a tail Valdemar Would that be the devil? No, I'm sorry, that would be both Ah. Anagram of Santa Catch Satan Satan is correct In the film Little Nicky Catch Satan Satan is correct And now I'm
0: beginning to wonder why our patron made this request Flattery will get you everywhere down here As our old friend, Cookie Masterson recaps the scores for us.
3: Cookie, how is the score? Cat is in the lead with $5,000. Alex is in second with $1,000. And Valdemar is getting spanked with zero.
0: On the one hand, I'm glad Cookie is a part of the show as some form of Jack-related continuity but I'd probably like it more if he was narrating a contestant's sports-related injury. On
3: Wackout Sports, uh, their pain uh, is your gain.
1: Uh, On to round two. Welcome back. We've got a lot of cash at stake, and remember, someone's going to be driving home in that brand new car.
0: Don't worry, they still have that pin for later. In the meantime, it's pretty much
1: more the same from round one. Whose parent would be driving a car with this bumper sticker? My child made 50 million, sued me, got married before turning 18. Rick Schroeder, Macaulay Culkin, Bill Gates Jr., Gary Coleman. Catch. Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin is correct.
0: Next question.
1: What size is this shoe? A one. That's incorrect, I'm sorry. The shoe is a
0: size two. And to be fair, both the previous and the later versions of Jack would have visual aids for questions, so I can't really fault them
1: there. Next, Fidel Castro is to military fatigues, as the jolly green giant is to... Pesticide. Corn. Leaves. Vito! (laughs) Aldemar! Debbie Leaves! That's correct for $2,000! Finally got something right! By the way, they cover his green peas. Oh! Full of country goodness and green penis. Wait, that's terrible. I quit. Just a handful for the road. Hmm.
0: Okay, so the show has its problems and nits to pick. But I guess it was just the initial shock of everything jolting me from the comfort zone of the PC games. Now that I let the wine breathe a little, maybe there's something good here after all.
1: And now it's time for the $2 million question! Say what? every second that goes by, the dollar value drops. The clock starts when I begin reading. Are you ready? No, stop the clock.
0: This is the gibberish question. Or at least it was supposed to be the gibberish question. Or at the very least, one key element from the gibberish question is being used to present time-killing visual humor. But... Why? Why go through all the trouble of creating an all-new question type just for this show when the gibberish question was perfectly serviceable? That would have been just fine for television. But instead, we have to toy with the contestants' hopes that they might actually walk out of here with a seven-figure payday only to wind up with a pittance.
1: Imagine you're in hell and all the TV titles are anatomical puns if the titles of the following TV shows aired in order... Excuse me. If the titles of the following TV shows aired... Head to toe, which show would be first? The Kidneys in the Hall? The Larynx Sanders Show? King of Spleens? Whose lung is it anyway? Eldemar! Oh, uh, that would be the Larry Sanders Show. The Larry Sanders Show is correct! Yeah. A 100
0: And now I have to read the following footnote out of fairness. The money clock element from the gibberish questions and the $2 million question would later on become the main scoring mechanic in the 21st century releases of Jack games. Clock starts at $2,000 and would take away every hundredth of a second, almost guaranteeing that each game of Jack won't end in a tie. But I digress. On to round three, where the questions are worth three grand. But first, what would a game show be without consolation slash parting gifts for our losing contestants? Well, it's here where you kinda have to accept a change between this and the PC games. Largely because, one, this is a show that gives away real money, two, the PC games are for entertainment purposes only, and three, I believe that you legally have to give a non-winning participant of a game show something for appearing on camera. But I could be wrong about that, and I'm sure the ever-widening game show community out there can answer that one for me. Anyway, some departing contestants may
1: receive... A collection of deodorants! Raise your hand if you're strong!
0: (laughs) Courtesy laugh. Now, more questions.
1: Which of the following structures would be closest to your butt? Great Wall of China. Panama Canal. Leaning Tower of Pisa. Lincoln Memorial.
2: Panama Canal.
1: Panama Canal is correct. You enter a lot, it's a ship corral.
2: 40
3: miles on the Panama Canal You pay your money, then get a decal 40 miles
1: on the Panama Canal On to more visual aids For this question, I'm going to show you the answer Here we are (laughs) Got it? It couldn't be easier Here's the question How do you spell incorrect backwards? Valdemar! T-C-E-R-R-O-C-N-I. That is correct for (laughs)
0: $3,000! Let's see Jeopardy do that. Actually, let's not, because Jeopardy already has spelling categories and spelling things forward against the clock is intimidating enough. As we move on to a recurring question during the series run. It's not a bonus question like the diss or dad or the gibberish question, just a standard question that's done a little
1: spicy. It's time to play things that sound dirty but aren't. Which of these is not an official Olympic event? Four man bob, double handed dinghy, two woman pole climb, coxless pears. Valdemar. would be two-woman pole climb?
3: Make up your own joke here.
1: What <laughs> is correct!
0: Which brings us to the final question of the main game before heading to the Jack attack. A question that is equal parts unnecessary to fans of the Jack games, a rip-off of Final Jeopardy, but also kind of secretly, diabolically genius at the same time, as Rubens will now explain.
1: Your deepest concentration is a must for survival. Here's the question. Take the score for a perfect game in bowling. Divide by the number of months that end in ember. Add the number of Backstreet Boys and multiply by the amount of Academy Awards won by the film Weekend at Bernie*. You have 30 seconds to answer the question, and the clock starts now!
0: I'm not kidding. This is probably the one part of the show that's both stupidly brilliant and is very much in the spirit of how anti-game show the original Jack games can be. What better way to underscore how serious things can be than by having something come in to distract you? In fact, so diabolical was this idea that it wouldn't surprise me if the UK wanted to make this gimmick its own show. Now, traditionally in a game show, you press your buzzer and you answer a question. There's nothing the matter with that. It's simple and effective, but on distraction, when you press your buzzer, you will get electrocuted. <laughs> okay, you've all been wired up before the show. A bird in the hand.
1: Ah, oh, fuck! <laughs> oh, <laughs> <through> the bush, <laughs> But
0: enough praise keeping for one day. Who's getting eliminated? And the
1: answer would be. Zero. Zero! What a smart audience. And let's see how smart our contestants are. Let's see how you did, Cat. You're in first place. What's your answer? Zero! Zero! For $5,000! Aldemar, you're in second place right now. I what did you come up with? This, oh, but... come on, show it. Ooh. I'm sorry Whoa (laughs) Well Valdemar You're getting a break Because you are now in second place That means Valdemar and Kat You are moving on to our final round Which
0: brings us to the Jack Attack we already went over how this part of the game works, but let's let Anti-Peewee remind you of the gameplay anyway.
1: Tonight's category is... What a funny name! Match the first name to the correct last name to create something funny. Pick the right match, win $5,000, pick wrong, and lose $5,000! Ready, set,
3: Sweet correct,
1: <laughs> <Skin. laughs>
0: And that's pretty much it. It's the Jack Attack. And also the single most faithful part of this show. Everything from it being a seven question end game to the fact that this was the only question in the entire show that had a category attached to it. Pee-wee asks, contestants answer, and a winner is crowned.
3: Valdemar has 13,181 dollars And Cat has 29,990 It's
0: a cat's game. So it sounds like somebody's going home with almost 30 grand in cash, and of course, a brand new car. And oh, wait a minute.
1: I told you somebody would be driving home in this new car.)
0: And with our Animaniacs hat trick complete, that's Jack, Mac. Only six episodes aired in the summer of 2001. It came, it went, and there's really not a lot more to add to this. Oh, who am I kidding? If you didn't think I was going to put this show through the nine circles, then...
1: You don't know
3: Jack!
0: Limbo, lust, gluttony,
3: greed, wrath, heresy, violence, treachery...
0: I grew up with the Jack games on PC, and then later in releases on Sony PlayStation. I'd like to think that it was because of these games that I was able to develop the sense of humor and knack for pointless trivia that's been hardwired into my brain since 1995. Up to the year this adaptation hit the airwaves, I owned every volume of the game that was available. For me, it was required after-school slash post-homework steam venting. So naturally, when I heard that the game was going to become a TV show, I was excited. So imagine my surprise, and also lack of surprise, when I saw the show. And in spite of how enjoyable it was in certain places, this version of You Don't Know Jack barely knew itself. I mean, a lot of the elements were there, but not quite where you expected them to be. Which is okay if you're trying to adapt something from one form of media to another. Satan knows that people have been doing that to best-selling books since the dawn of time. If I were a regular TV viewer, I'd find the show amusing and harmless. But as somebody who grew up with these games, I can't help but pick the nits. The fact that we could see the host. The fact that there were no wacky categories to choose from, the way they executed the dis or dat questions, plus borrowing the cash clock from the gibberish question for a question that was ultimately there for comedic purposes. Oh, and uh, before I forget, why were there no screws in the game? You know about the screws, right? Listen up. Say the question comes up and your neighbor gets that
3: Mount Rushmore look on their face like they don't know what's going on. It's a perfect time to buzz
0: in, hit the S key, and screw them. Then they gotta answer. Got it? Anyway, all these changes kinda felt like a slap in the face to the Jack Hardcore, marking this show for heresy. (coughs) Also, they severely overuse the things that sound dirty but aren't questioned during the entire run of the show. I'm all for using sex to sell, and in this case, also to educate, but it really shouldn't have been a recurring thing, and the show is counting a little too much on lust to rope in some viewers. Then you get to Paul Rubens, who, for the record, I think is a good actor regardless of having one role that he'll be best known for for as long as he lives, and even long after he dies. But that one role almost makes it impossible to see Rubens as anybody else but Pee-wee Herman. He did try playing Troy Stevens, he did put in the effort, but to me it just felt like I was watching Pee-wee's evil twin. Truth be told, I wouldn't have minded seeing him host the show either as himself or as Pee-wee Herman. Unfortunately, that's not what the producers of the show wanted, which I think may have ultimately contributed to Ruben's resisting to doing the show in the first place. So for that, a minor graze of treachery. Nitpicks aside, though... The show was fine. It was harmless. The show's set kind of makes my eyes bleed, but that shouldn't take away from the fact that this show is simply there to fill up airtime for the summer. No more, no less. And that's a fact. Jack. You Don't Know Jack earns three out of nine circles of tele And once again, we thank you for your request, Chris Michaud, whose own virtual game show, Mall Night Long, can be found on Facebook. Just search for Mall Night Long, and they'll take it from there. Now, on to the next month in our channel surfing season, where... Oh shoot, I I totally forgot I left the door open from when Neil Weinstein came by to review Women in Prison a few weeks ago. Better shut it before any unwelcome pests come in. Uh, hey, I heard you were talking about Fox shows from 1987. Hope you've got time to take down one more. Crap. Next time on Telehell, the Internet's favorite TV guidance counselor, Ken Reed, will be my special guest as we take a look at another show that landed on the Fox Network's first full season on the air. And this one... We're going to kick right in the beans. My friends come beans. Beans? Beans. 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 He's Beans
2: Baxter, an ordinary teenager with an extraordinary job. That kid
1: holds the fate of the world in his hands. Great, more surprising.
2: Until then.
0: If it's not in Telehell, it's not worth a damn. Telehell was written, produced, edited, and narrated by me. Justin Hart. All clips used in this program are protected under the fair use doctrine of the U.S. Copyright Act of 1976, and all clips used come courtesy of their respective companies and owners. Some of the music used in this program comes courtesy of YouTube and their audio library service. Telehell is production of Horton Road and is distributed by Libsyn. The show may be over, but you know where to find us. On social media, Twitter and Facebook at Telehell Podcast. Want to hear some premium content? Go to Patreon.com/slash Podcast. And if you have any questions or comments about this show, feel free to contact us at our complaint line, TelehellPodcast at Gmail.com. But even more than that, please be sure to like, comment, rate, subscribe, lie to us all over the places where Telehell is streaming, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many others. Just by Google. Googling Telehell.